There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Bowen. And we want to introduce you to the new cantina menu at Taco Bell. Ooh! It's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients. Great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself. The slow-roasted chicken, mm. pico de gallo, oh. purple cabbage, Yummy. and new avocado verde salsa sauce. Okay! With new menu options like cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla, there's something for everyone. With this new cantina chicken menu, the possibilities are endless. Try the new cantina Tina chicken menu at Taco Bell. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Look, man. There. Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, and look over there. Wow. Is that Ooh. culture? Oh, yes. My goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong. Las Culturistas. Calling. Wow. It's wow. a morning episode. We've never recorded in the morning. There's a, There are a lot of firsts happening today. This is our first morning episode. Oh, well, for you, it's the morning. But back in the day when we would go into, you know, downtown LA, let's say, or every now and then when we oh, would go to right. like, when we would go to the studio, mm-hmm. um, that would, those would be sort of morning episodes. And how do we ever do it? I really can't even, I, I don't have the sense memory of us like getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I know that it happened. I just don't know how we did it. Um, but remember when we do three episodes in a day? Girl. The marathon that that is. The marathon that that has the the true like overextension of labor that that has girl when we were in LA just for a couple of days we were like we have to fit in everyone in the city oh and we do three God. episodes in a day two days in a row and then be exhausted yes and yes. mad at each other <laughs> and I just want to say the reason we're just for transparency for the reader the reason we're recording this during the days because I mm. texted my sister and our hot producers <laughs> and I said I need I need the mental health night I'm sorry y'all he needed a mental health night and this is, that's because you, I, I believe you're overworked. <laughs> Girl. I'm just going to say it. Girl, you are really breaking ground with this. Wow. You are the first to say. I'm kidding. I feel like y'all are doing five weeks in a row and that is pandemic only 
the culture, the SNL culture, because that would never happen. Um, oh, but you know what I wanted to say? This is something we can talk about because I actually, unless you don't feel comfortable talking about this. But I something- feel comfortable about talking. You'd be shocked how, much, how many things I feel comfortable talking about. Well, we have to talk about this. For some reason, you said something earlier that made me think about The View, and you mm-hmm. were just blocked by a View co-host. Well, I'm so happy that you brought this up and sort of teed this up, because I think this is... This is this is the story. This is a story, and not only is it the story in this podcast, but it's also become a trending story in the yes. culture, yes. which to me is always... Whenever I feel like something happens here and then cosmically it's like the fates decide that we're going to get a response from the culture, capital C, I get rock hard. Yeah. So last week on the podcast, we sort of, the the three of us, Bowen, Sam, and myself, by the way, what a great episode. What a great episode. Oh, love him. So we had a thrill of an episode and we sort of touched on Megan McCain. And I said, well, if you really listen to the content of what she's saying when she trends, you'll notice she it's constantly makes it about herself. Mm-hmm. She, it's, it's always about her. So now, <laughs> a few days later, I see that she has blocked me. <laughs> and I'm like, that's interesting because I've never once added her ever, never uh-huh. talked, never tweeted at her, only said what I said on the podcast. So I reached out to a source that you I know. Out? I reached out to a source and I said, yo, Megan McCain blocked me. What could be yo. the tea on this? And this source said, oh, absolutely. One of her gays told her. And then he said, in a parentheses, chills. And I said, yeah, a chill ran up my spine when I thought about what it must be like to be one of her gays. So then I was like, oh, she blocked me, whatever. Then she gets on The View this week and says this stupid shit about how it's crazy that I, Megan McCain, co-host of The View, don't know when I'm getting the vaccine and I'm over Dr. Fauci and he need, Biden needs to fire Fauci and get someone in there who understands science. Mm-hmm. This is barely paraphrasing. No, no, no. You're, you're basically quoting her. So basically she trended for being an idiot and making it all about herself and just being that kind of spoiled person that cannot help but make this situation about her because it would be one thing if she's just like voicing a frustration about vaccine rollout and about like the plan of the vaccine because i get that but to say i megan mccain co-host of the view must know when i'm getting the vaccine is just so tone deaf in presentation of your argument but that's her i'm sorry she gives off like only child vibes but she has like you know five siblings she has many siblings, but, you know, I, I I believe she believes she's the favorite. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I don't know. It just feels like she, her, 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 the, the whole thing, the, the reason she keeps trending is because she is speaking with, like, zero self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so it just, she just, she just catches herself in these, like, moments of, like, pure solipsism where she's like, ah, my reality is the only reality. And... My my title as co-host of the View it just like makes it so that you would think that I would have access to the vaccine, or entitles her to like more information. You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's crazy to say that out loud, but then it's just so 
it's so in line with what her deal is that I had to laugh because <laughs> you it wasn't even like we were reading her down no, for no. like for like something that was inappropriate like didn't comment on anything but what she says and how she presents her ideas which is very uh self-centered and mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. like spoiled and it does come off this way and, you know, I didn't say anything about how it's hilarious to watch her say these things with her hairstyle looking the way it does every day. Oh. I didn't drag her for her styling. Ooh. And, you know, if her gays are the ones putting her together in the morning, then uh, I say those. <laughs> welcome to the re- welcome to the resistance, gays. Now, I feel like there is such a culture war happening among the queers where it's like, oh, hell's kitchen gays versus whatever gays. But I feel like the real <laughs> sort of the first. <laughs> thing we have to like rally around is is really kind of vanquishing these Megan McCain gays. I mean there's at least like two of them. There's a, you there has to be at least two because one has to be doing the hair, the other has to be doing the makeup. Right. So basically it's like we know there's at least two Megan McCain gays out there and we should also say at this point she's resigned from the board. She's resigned from the board of Las Culturas this it's just Abby Huntsman. I mean, I'll have to check in with Abby about that because okay. I don't know if she'll want to stay on the board of directors of Las Culturistas uh-huh, now that Megan uh-huh. McCain has resigned because I'm assuming this is all a resignation. I'm su- assuming her blocking me and I'm sure because here's the thing. It wasn't just me. You also went, no, no. You, you went off. So maybe she blocked Las Culture too. Who knows? I didn't I didn't dig dig deep. This this is just my general philosophy now when I when we talk about people on this podcast mm-hmm. I go I think what's the worst that can happen I uh, like with Diane Sawyer with Justin Timberlake with Megan McCain it's like I take a shit next to them in the bathroom like who cares like there's no I don't have to like I will not be forced to really work with these people in a way that I am that I feel like cornered into like you know like I'm not going to like have to like sit down with any of these people and be like well Sorry about those things I said, but I guess we better get to working on this like award show <laughs> presenter bit. Like you yeah. know, like yeah. I mean, unless you get on the View or something, like and and, and then at that point, it's like if either of us were ever on the View, I would turn to her and I would look her deep dead in the eyes and I'd be like, ask whatever question you have, because yeah, yeah, because yeah. at that point, I, I this is the thing though. Everyone that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. we didn't say anything untoward about them. No, no, we, no. The, on this podcast, we respond to things that happen in the culture. So if you put your foot in it and you're part of the culture, you become fodder, bitch. You become fodder, girl. And I can't say if you become fodder, that's your that's that's that's, that's, your that's funeral. what you are. That's your that, funeral. If, sometimes all these people, all they are is fodder, fodder and <laughs> Luke, you are my father. Luke, you are my father. I am your father. I believe it goes, Luke. I am your father. I think you are my father because Luke is Luke is father now because Luke is in the culture. Luke, 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 Luke got his foot in it. Luke got his foot in it. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I don't feel bad about any of this because ultimately, it's like, and I, I did like, I texted you and I was like after I saw that she blocked me and I was like yes I was like were we like disrespectful and you were like girl no she's completely self-interested and then I thought about everything she's ever said because yes she is like anti-Trump but she says some things where I'm like God, like she really dies on this. She's so pro-gun in a way that's like so strange to me and I'm not saying like people can't be pro-gun but she's like 
angry whenever the topic of like gun rights comes up. And it's like to ignore the fact that there needs to be a conversation about gun ownership and gun usage in this country is to me insane. And she also goes off about abortions. She's like militantly pro-life to the point where it's like, how, how, what is it with pro-life people where they can't understand the argument that this is different for every woman? Like, I understand that you yourself are pro-life, but it gets to the point where it's like, you would really see laws passed in this country that would restrict abortion access for women in this country who aren't as privileged as you, who mm-hmm. aren't in the positions that you are in, who may need to have this done for the life of themselves or the baby. Like, it just is crazy to me, these like pro-life conservative women who then want to... um you know, blanket like what they think for this entire country. It's just so inappropriate. And she is that. And that's to say nothing about a litany of other issues that she takes conservative stances on. The fact that you are concerned about whether or not you said anything about whether or not we said anything disrespectful about her is like such a trap because I mean, this is, this is someone who is like volatile and whatever. I mean, she's just someone who like, constantly is is so easily perturbed by things mm-hmm. that like it's not ever it's not about about anything we did specifically it's about the fact that she is in this like mode of existing to to she's waiting to be like incensed all the time mm-hmm. that's it and so i don't know and she's also we don't align on anything with her politically beyond just like basic things that should be agreed on just no matter what. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't really feel any sympathy. (laughs) Megan McCain is Megan McCain is like, at this point is Bugs Bunny to me, you know, she's (laughs) she's become Bugs Bunny. And we just got to really like, we, I just want to kind of retroactively say that the Wendy Williams documentary, that our conversation about Wendy Williams was maybe overly like sympathetic because this Mm. is a woman who like, started rumors that like Tupac had AIDS and that yeah. like, you know, like Diddy was cheating on like, I just like, she like, started what, gay rumors about everyone. And she right. knew, she knew what that was going to do in that particular community too. And she knew what she was doing. Wendy has caused harm. Megan has caused harm. Unfortunately, we, w- there was another thing too, that she said that really bothered me, which was she came back from maternity leave. She took a very long maternity right. leave and she came back and she said, you know what? I actually realized we need paid maternity leave. Yeah. Dumbass. And everyone there was just like, uh, yeah. And Whoopi was like, I mean, we've been saying it. And I think that they were like, cool, good that you say this now. And I'm also like, we say a lot. I think I've said a lot on this podcast. Like I'm, if someone wants to arrive on the right side of an issue, like great, whenever, whenever that happens, I'm happy about it. You know what I mean? Like I don't yell. I'm not the kind of person that's like, wow, really now? Like I, mm-hmm, I experienced mm-hmm. some of it with like the Britney of it all. Like when I tweeted out, like, you know, this documentary is about a misogynist society. I got a lot of responses that were like, yeah, duh. And so I, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that's going to scream, yeah, duh, at someone. But this is an example of kind of what I'm saying. It's like, it's almost like things have to happen to her. People like this, like, need issues to be personal in mm-hmm. order for them to be felt at all. 
And that's, I guess, my problem with everyone who's like a quote unquote traditional conservative and anyone that's conservative anyway, is it feels like there's a complete disregard for certain issues that just are never going to affect them. Mm -hmm, So, for example, mm -hmm. like, of course, they're all going to be pro-life because it aligns with their like, you know, religious sort of upbringing, probably. And it's just like this sort of moral superiority that they all have because they don't have to actually uh, encounter and like grapple with a reality where it would be life or death for them if in in terms of needing an abortion. That's just mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. part of their experience. And so when she says something like that about paid maternity leave, I am frustrated because it's like, so you really needed to go through this to understand why this would be a viable thing. And I could tell that she was sort of like, this is going to be my olive branch to the liberals today. And it's like, yeah, cool. Thanks. I'm glad there's someone saying this on television, but for her specifically, it bothers me when she arrives late to these issues because she has the, she has the capability to be on the right side. And she yeah. never is, never is 80% of the time. She's just digging her heels or she's doubling down on like, um, a stance she knows is not controversial, but she's just like very much like I'm dyed in the wool Republican from the eighties. Like I'm dyed in the wool Bush era, Reagan era Republican. Right. Um, And you're like, okay, great. Um, You're so slow on like moving along the curve that it's, 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 it's meaningless at this point. It's just laughable when you say shit like, wow, there should be paid maternity leave. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, no kidding. It's just like, and it's just so insulting to women, I think. Like Mm -hmm. for her to be someone who has been around for so long to only really be saying this now and saying like, let's make an issue of it now. Like, let's make it a thing. Like all the women of the view going forward. It's like all the women of the few have been saying this. And again, Mm -hmm. like if people want to arrive on the right side of whatever issue, that's fine. I just... I don't, and I say this like being someone that watches The View a lot and has for many years, and Mm -hmm. I've been familiar with her for many years. I don't think she's very smart. I think she understands the structures and um, I think she understands the ways in which politics works. And I think that she has a deep understanding of how Washington runs, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but I mm -hmm. don't think she is um, very self-aware I I think that she has a bloated sense of herself that interferes with uh, an ability to be truly empathetic. And I I don't think that she is a good co-host of The View. And I kind of wish they would move on because I think she makes the show very hard to watch because I think a lot of her arguments are just frustrating. Like, and I, I really think that she represents going back to a time that was the most harmful where there was a lot of inaction and quote unquote reaching across the aisle. She is like, I mean, I think like on a producer level, they love her and they have to keep her around as much as, as long as they can, because she is like the new Hasselback. She is like mm-hmm. the person in the, on the panel who's like making headlines and like getting the show like little blips of like, not press, but just like, oh, the view's back in the conversation. The view's trending because Megan McCain's trending because she said the stupid thing. And yeah. Megan and Megan probably knows to like keep like flicking at that nerve, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, she's she's a, she's a provocateur, really. I mean, like, and not in a <sighs> way that's like, and that sucks. But um, and because I do believe she's and like her, her. Her and Ben Shapiro have. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. politically identical, but they have that same instinct to like say some bullshit to get everybody pissed off. She knows what words she to use. Like, I, yeah. I think she's adept enough at at provoking interest in her, so she knows to go on TV and call Rush Limbaugh a titan of media. Meanwhile, like, you know, she didn't say anything positive, quote unquote, about him, but it's that kind of language where where someone where someone gets on TV and says, you know, Hitler was a great man. And they don't say it like he was a good person. They said he was an influential person. They still know that they're using those words and that they're going to gain a reaction. I think she's good at that type of thing where it's like, I'm going to use language that that um, insinuates something but doesn't state something. Mm -hmm. And it's just I just. I don't, I'm not into it. I can't believe she called him a titan of media, even if it's true that he was an influence. Say he was an influence. Uh, also cop to the fact that he was racist, misogynist, incredibly homophobic, started, really started the birther thing about Obama. And um, like, say that because you know it's true. And just because you're the conservative voice on this show doesn't mean you have to ignore the realities of what this person was. Like, and I think that she feels that she's been so critical of Trump that she has to sort of like preserve mm. um, conservative voices that she's used to because she's so critical of the new GOP that she ends up like just like really propping up these harmful figures. From the old conservative right. stronghold, the where the Rush Limbaugh thing is like, kind of her being beholden to that, to like his peak, which was like, not his like one of his peaks, which was around the 2008 election where mm-hmm. her father was running against, but was the Republican nominee, and it's like, oh, okay, there is this like actual um, emotional, I'm going to say, tie between. Megan McCain and Rush Limbaugh, where you've been like rubbing shoulders with these people for decades at this point and like mm-hmm. this was sort of like the um environment you were raised in and you were like used to like listening to rush limbaugh when you were growing up um i just think i just think she's a product of that yeah and also i i just feel like there's been such a movement up since his death there especially there's been this like hero worship of john mccain and i think it's fine and respectful if you want to like, you know, give condolences to anyone that's lost a family member or, you know, give respect to someone that was an American hero in that he, you know, fought for this country, um, was a prisoner of war and then dedicated his life to service on, on a fa- on face value. I understand that. But I think there's a lot of rewriting history about like how great John McCain was, because don't forget that a big building block of why we even have Trump is because John McCain made the selection of Sarah Palin and for his vice president and normalized this sort of thing of putting a no-nothing mm-hmm. on the national stage because, you know, had he been elected president, she would have been, I mean, it's said a million times, a heartbeat away from the presidency. And normalizing that and mobilizing the kinds of voters that liked her directly helps Trump mm. with what he t- attempted to do and was successful in doing in 2016. Like, so 
it's just, I don't want to forget that John McCain did the things that he did in terms of creating the situation we're in now. I just think it's, it's a dangerous thing of, you know, we talked about it last week too, where it's like, yay, Biden. It's like, yay that we don't have Trump. But remember that like these people were, were the reason why this country is in such bad shape right now. The sort mm-hmm. of just nothings that, that were in Washington that allowed a situation that provided Trump. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. I just, I, mm-hmm. the whole McCain worship thing, the fact that they're like r- royal figures in this country, now they're falling out of favor with pretty much everyone, but I just, I don't like it. McCain's the McCain's being royal figures is chilling. Um, well, I have nothing to add. I have nothing to add. My brain is truly. Um, yeah, toast. we can't. We, we, I mean, look, she's off the panel and she's distant. She, she's <laughs> the open invitation for her to come on no, this podcast the, and charm the, us to kill us. Uh, is well, what you you think? I, it still I think I think the invitation still stands if she can get us to like her. If we can say, <laughs> oh, she's actually really cool, then we will sapuku. We will sapuku. Specifically, this is the new layer. <laughs> Um, is that we will take a katana to the belly? Yeah, and yeah. Do you want to kill me, and then I, and then I, I kill don't want to kill you. No, honey. You, I wanna, okay. I never want to contribute to your pain. Okay. I just thought it could be fun. Like if we were, if we were, if if she comes on the show and charms us, and then we have to die. I, I think it could be fun to kill each other. But whatever. No, I would. That would make me so sad if I if I had to kill you. Even if it was, even if it was a bit, and we we both end up dead at the same time, I don't want to do that. We don't that have upsets, to do it then. That upsets me. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, it's Bowen, and I want to introduce you to the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell. Yes, it's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients, great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself the slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. With new menu options like Cantina Chicken Tacos, burritos, and quesadillas, there's something for everyone. And Taco Bell isn't just for a late night. With this new Cantina Chicken Menu, The possibilities are, well, endless. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. Now, I said. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Can I ask you a question? Moving yes, into more Dave. fun culture. Another yes. witch. Um, <gasps> bitch. <laughs> the WandaVision of it all. You. Okay. Everyone is like, I'm a, honestly a little, not surprised. I'm like, wait, Agatha all along is like a thing now. It's, it's the biggest hit in the country. It's a driver's <laughs> license. It's Agatha a rule of culture. Is- Agatha all. It's rule of culture. What number is it again? Four. Rule of culture number, number four. four. Agatha, Agatha all along is driver's, driver's license. license. Everyone is quoting it. Everyone is doing the memes of Agatha all along. And I'm going, what happened to like, okay, we're just like, we're just going to like spoil it for everybody. Cause I'm, cause remember like when Evan Peters showed up, everyone's like, everyone shut the fuck up. Don't, don't tell anybody about this. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, maybe it's cause everyone saw this coming from a mile away that like Catherine Hahn was playing Agatha Harkness, but it's mm-hmm. like now Agatha all along is like, it lives in this, um, I don't know, like shared visual language of like, it's become canon. It's become culture is what happened. That's actually true. That's actually very true. Well, Agatha all along, I mean, what, what, what do we have to add? We just, we think it's, we think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. And so basically like in watching the show from the beginning, I knew there was something up with her. And I sort of in reading about what, what she might become like the Agatha Harkness of it all. I thought it was really fun, but the way they rolled it out, I thought was so, so great. And I loved the song at the end. And I just feel like, Oh, this is why you cast Catherine Hahn. You know what I mean? You cast her so that she has something big and fun to do. And if she's going to be the main antagonist, I think that rocks. And I think it's actually really genius casting because Catherine Hahn is exactly at that point where you can buy her being cast on this show as the nosy neighbor and the comic relief. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Marvel is so huge that even though Catherine Hahn is big to us because we respect her, you know, work as a, as an actress and Mm -hmm. we always enjoy her. You think like to the larger, you know, consumption community, um, that's good. That's going (laughs) to maybe title of app consumption community or something with Agatha or fodder. Fodder, fodder, um, Luke. I am your. You are my. Luke, fodder. you are my fodder. Might <laughs> yeah. be. Might be title of that. There's so much going on with so title of that. There's so many yes. horses in the race. Yes. Um, but she, I bought. I would buy if by the end she had just been the best friend all along because we've seen her be the yes. best friend. Yes. But then you realize, like, oh no way! They know what they're doing. They know what they've got here. And her playing a witch, too good to be true. Too good to be true. But it's true. It is, this is a weird comparison, but it's 
I feel like this person deserves this kind of role and this kind of context. Mm -hmm. It it would be like if you cast like Judy Greer in that role and you're like, exactly. Oh, like this is so, so, and she could handle, she like, you're, there's a model for her being the best friend, but there's, she also has the ability as an actor to become the main antagonist. And you'd be like, so excited about it. Yeah. I feel like Catherine Hunt, I'm not comparing, I'm not like saying they, they live in the same neighborhood in the industry, but I think that like, there are, there are few, there's only a small handful of actors who like are in that pocket. Yes. And, and we love them for that. And Catherine Hahn being in the MCU in this way is very fun. And like now, like it actually, like the, uh, I was reading on, uh, on, on, on some stuff about how this is actually introducing horror into the, into the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is coming out, yeah. uh, I think later, uh, end of the year or, or early next year. But that's like, I mean, they're saying that like that is going to be the first. I think Kevin Feige is saying that that is going to be the first technical Marvel horror movie, mm. just kind of which I kind of find. But like this is introducing like like Darkhold, like that tome. It's like this is introducing all of those elements um, where you have you know like witchy, witchy, spooky, which I think is so fun. Yeah. So did you are you familiar with the character of Agatha Harkness? I, I only off of like cursory like readings about her that she's just um, she's Wanda's like teacher and she yeah. Yeah, she's essentially a gray area villain where in some comic series, she is a full-on antagonist, like, bad, like, Mm -hmm. kills Wanda's kids. Mm -hmm. And then um, in other ones, she is sort of a mentor figure and was even the babysitter for the Fantastic Four for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's that thing of, like, especially in superhero series, like, it's common for villains to play um uh on the good side and the bad side and it, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. often see heroes uh be antagonists as well i mean they they kind of dabbled in this with captain america civil war mm-hmm, where the avengers mm-hmm. were fighting against each other but there's been so much talk about um whether or not this is a villain origin story for a reboot of the scarlet witch um i don't know that they'll do that i feel like in in the in this beginning of you know, I guess phase four of Marvel, it's kind of better to start it off on a more straightforward thing. Like the Scarlet Witch, we're seeing her become a quote unquote witch and she'll earn that moniker, but she'll stay um, a quote unquote good character Uh uh and stay uh an Avenger. And it feels like easier to swallow that Agatha Harkness is now just a new villain figure, whether or not that's just for WandaVision or in the larger MCU. Um, but it's interesting that they bring this character in because this character, just like Wanda, has served a purpose of villain in the comics and, you know, protagonist mm-hmm, in the comics. Mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. still don't really know where it's going. Mm. It could go either way. I've also seen some theories that, you know, Agatha is not the main antagonist, that she's calling someone else that's maybe that maybe is why this is all happening so that she can conjure a greater villain that will become like the Thanos of this new part of Marvel, mm. but all very interesting and thrilled that Catherine Hahn is ushering it in. I love that. I love, I love that my sister is getting into MCU. It's been, it's the first show in a long time that I watch every episode like four times. I, the repeat viewings for me is what's so surprising mm-hmm. um, about you that you are watching these episodes and that you are staying up till midnight 
on, on Thursday it. nights to watch it. And then you rewatch it. I mean, this, I have not done this with the show since I want to say, I'm so sorry to say like early season Grey's Anatomy. Like I have not mm-hmm. done this in over a decade. What is it about the show that, that, that keeps you repeat watching? I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, what exactly is it that gets me to keep watching? I think to me, it's it's A, it's just purely fun to watch. But B, I also think there's a mystery element that I like. And I think that something about myself that I'm re-realizing is that I actually love a mystery. I love, and I think I might start reading some Agatha Christie books, to be honest. Girl, Murder on the Links, Murder on the Orient Express. I think I would really enjoy it. Um, uh, just because to me, like, I do love like Easter egg culture. Um, looking through and being like, oh, that's that, or that uh-huh, means that. Like, uh-huh. I just think there's like an extra layer to the storytelling, which I love. And I think if I can trace it all the way back, really to the beginning of when I thought culture might be for me, Lost was um something that sort of Lost uh, is huge for you. Huge for me. And it's sort of pretended to be this thing that if you watch to the end, everything's gonna make sense. And it obviously failed in doing that it was an Mm -hmm. enjoyable show episode to episode sometimes season by season but ultimately it couldn't follow through on that and i think the reason why i'm loving wandavision so much is that i feel like this could potentially when the loop closes all make sense in a way that is going to make me very excited i i feel like i've asked you this so many times before you have not seen Watchmen, correct no not yet and i and and i i really want to you know what it is it's just I don't like violence, but and I it's it's Matt, it's fine. I, I have to get over it. I will watch it next. I really will. I think the 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 it's Damon Lindelof again, who I love is able to actually make it all make sense and have it fit within the canon of the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. I think you would love you would really enjoy the graphic novel or at least like a summary of it, and then you should go into Watchmen thinking it's so interesting how because it's like it's a world where it's an alternate timeline of america and it's a world it's it takes place in the modern not the modern it takes place in 2019 so yeah modern but still um a world with no internet Mm -hmm. it's like it's really like the choices about the world are so so interesting yeah and they're so intentional and it affects like it's so thoughtfully realized and the mystery element that like sustains itself throughout the entire series season Mm -hmm. it all comes together in a way that is so satisfying it makes total sense you will fucking cream you will love it Uh, you know what now that i've enjoyed this so much Mm -hmm. i really will get into it because and and there's nothing about it that i won't love i think once i just settle into the tone and there's 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 gay sex love that and there's race and there's there's a lot of fun stuff Um, and fucking gene and Gene Smart. I know. And I do stan. The third episode is is the Gene Smart-centric episode. And it's my one of my favorite episodes of television ever. And mm-hmm. there's just, oh my God, there's just great a great performance thread of Gene Smart and the whole thing. And it's like, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I got so pumped watching that episode, I remember. And you know me, I don't really binge watch. Um, really don't. But Watchmen, I watched the whole thing in like three days, just like supine on my couch, watched every episode Mm -hmm. consecutively. Oh my God. You have to watch, get over the violence. There's not that much of it. 
just watch it. I'm also fine. It's just, you know what it is? It's just something I realize about myself is I've become much more of an anxious person as I'm getting older. That's like I didn't, I didn't used to have any problem with this shit. Like, and then lately I'm just like, it's sometimes I, is this therapy? Sometimes I will not watch something because I know it's going to upset me or make me feel an extreme emotion in any way. And mm. so I will sometimes watch things or start to consume things like the housewives, like Sur- like Survivor, honestly, like a lot of reality television that I can just feel like I'm watching it and receiving it and like I understand it. And so I'm able to, you know, laugh at it, not take it too seriously because it's not going to stir me in a way. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know what it what that is, but especially over the last year, I'm just not wading into waters that are going to make me feel a lot you are because there's not much going on we're just like i was talking to someone about this where it's it's like they're like i am trying to wean off my antidepressants because i am not because antidepressants make you like help you get through the day but you don't really need as in in this person's case they didn't need as as many antidepressants because they they just weren't doing that much throughout the day to feel the need to be like shepherded through the course of the day. Yeah. They weren't having emotions that needed monitoring. Exactly. And yeah. so you are probably like your baseline for like stimulus is going down. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, I don't want to be like shocked out of this, like stasis that I'm in. Maybe. I, think I don't that's know. It. And you know what? Maybe it has something to do with the fact that, and this is again, me just therapizing myself, which is <laughs> LOL, not what you do, but I'm going to take a crack at it. Maybe it's a thing of like, because I know I'm alone with my emotions, mm-hmm. I don't want them to go out of control. It, it, does that make sense? Like I'd rather yes. every day feel sort of the same mm-hmm. than every day feel like wild. Like, I, I know. you know, what's funny. Like I actually messaged, um, Nick Lehman and Jackson Ricken, who are friends, I, I messaged them because they put on their stories that they were watching the finale of Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. And the way they were sobbing, oh. I was just like, I was like, I messaged Jackson and I was like, I don't think I've cried like that in such a long time. And he was like, it's honestly an emotional exercise and a release. And I was like, maybe I'll rewatch the entire Six Feet Under because it honestly looked fun to cry that hard. <laughs> I was wow. like, wow, I haven't, I have not. Well, that's not true. I wept and wept and wept when I, when I, when Jared and I broke up, but um, that was like the last time I can, and only time I can feel, I can remember feeling that big of an emotional swing. Mm-hmm. Part of me feels I left like those emotions behind when I, when I left New York. Isn't it so really? weird? Yeah. Wow. Like that you like that, there was a very emotional era for me, like yes. towards the end of me living in New York, when I the emotional felt like I era. could, yeah, that really was when I felt like I could cry at any day at any time. And I was really feeling my Pisces moment. Now it's like, I don't think I could make myself cry if I tried. <laughs> I'm numb. Really interesting. But you are an emotional girl. No. Well, I don't know if you're admitting the truth. Well, lately I've been very emotional. Because my defenses are down because I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel, I also feel like I left like an emotional era behind after um, 
I started this job mm-hmm. at SNL. So I feel like I've I've just like really checked out overall, which is not good. I mean, do you feel that's because like <laughs> being emotional would waste time? Um, yeah, that like or sidetrack you? Or it would just be it would just be like another expenditure. Mm. And like I'm already spending so much time on other things. Mm-hmm. And why yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly a waste of time. I did fully sob to Sudi on the studio floor last week. Oh my gosh. For for boring reasons. But yeah, I'm not I'm not doing well. Well, it's okay to not be doing well. It's, we no, should it's, say. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine to not do well. And I'm I just, also just want to say I don't think we were supposed to record the episode last night. I think what do that you mean? we I, I felt cosmically we were not supposed to record last night. I felt cosmically you needed the break and we needed yeah. to do a morning episode so we could wake up. Did I did I force I'm sorry if I forced everyone to wake up. No, first I, of all, L- literally time. you didn't force anyone to wake up. Like I we were recording at 10 a.m. It's not like I'm like it's not like I was in New York where it's hard for me to wake up at 11 a.m. Like in L.A., everyone's up a crack of dawn. When do you wake up? What's your what's your normal wake up time? This is going to shock you. Like I wake up naturally at 8 a.m. Oh, my God. Whereas in, I'm telling you in New York, you outslept me in New York. Oh, I, I'm, I was a sleeper in New York. Something about like the humidity is like my body can't live there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I have been missing it lately, I will say. <laughs> oh, maybe there is opportunity for you to return. Well, I am coming back. Oh, don't tell but the reader. We can't tell <laughs> anyone why, but um, we have a good excuse to reunite. <laughs> LOL. I don't know if it's that good. We I think it's out. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, yes, it is good. Well, that's a little teaser. Oh, a little teasery. A little teasery. What can I say? Yes. I can't. I can't believe we devoted that much time to Megan McCain because you know she hears and listens to everything. Oh yeah. Okay. Ugh. Well, let's just let's make this. Should we make a promise here and now? Oh yeah. That we will only talk about Megan McCain once a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we we can have a once a year Megan McCain anniversary where we sort of revisit the year of Megan McCain. L O L, no way. I was I thought you were gonna say let's make a pact. We will not discuss her again. I think it's impossible to not discuss her because she keeps yeah. like saying stupid shit. Yeah, and she still has that damn job. And also, here's the thing too: any any conservative host of the view that was effective is gonna do this to the culture it's just it's it's annoying facet of a, a reality in which the view exists is that they feel they must have that conservative seat and that person in that conservative seat is always gonna piss off america and maybe that means that they're doing their job but oh it is frustrating i don't know i don't know Girl, give me give me five Sherry Shepherds. I would really love that. I want to watch that show. Is that essentially the talk? <laughs> Where everyone's just like, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Sharon Osbourne, like, well, you know, I think Britney Spears is she's you know she's a she's a silly goose. 
She's a silly goose and we have to let her be silly on Instagram. And I think all this is, is she's a silly goose and you know, she's not even sick. We're just making mountain out of a molehill. She's a silly goose on Instagram and I fall and enjoy it. This is really like, good. Okay. <laughs> and I for one enjoy it. <laughs> you were doing, um, we were doing a really good Tracy Ullman as Helen Mirren before we got on. It was really good. What I liked about, about the character is that she's just tall, tall and embarrassed, embarrassed about her body. And, and so, so many, many actresses, actresses, even, even younger, younger ones, ones, have a problem, problem fishing out, fishing their, out teeth. their teeth. <laughs> what, if, what a formative piece of culture for us, just for you and me as friends. It was, mm-hmm. I think, I remember it being one of, after Nicki Minaj and Superbase, I think this video was one of those things that like really like formed a new bond between you and me when we were first getting to know each other, where we were like, oh my God, mm-hmm. Matt and I are laughing at th- this thing for the same reasons, I mm-hmm. think, the same exact reasons. And then, and then, you know, and then like over time it was like, oh, okay, Matt and Bowen have an ear for like, you know, Izzy Stevens saying, I'm not a surgeon. I, I wish I, I want, I wish I was a surgeon, but I'm not. So I quit. Like, like we like, the auditory, like, oh, like you cadence. FaceTime. It's cadence. cadence. You and I respond to cadence extremely strongly. And I've realized that if I'm going to be close friends with someone, they have to put to have ca- no cadence, cadence number one. Cadence has, it's all about, it's why I love Patrick because yes. like he, he, it's cadence is important to him. And yes. it's like anyone in my life, like you have to understand the way things are said. That's what it's like. About. You you called me the other day, and I picked up, and the first thing you said was, uh, "Girl, I don't remember what was it." it? Was <laughs> I really want to lose three pounds? And then, uh, without without missing a beat, I said, "Oh my god, what are you talking about? You're so skinny." Shut, shut up. up. <laughs> Which I know it's like basic to quote Mean Girls at this point, but like we, yeah. Matt and I have a once a month discussion <laughs> about. Let's just like have a mini discussion right now about this. Let's do it. I mean, we've had a version of this discussion and many episodes before, but like we've threatened, we've threatened to do this on the pod, and we're doing it. We're doing it. Rachel McAdams, every single line read in that movie, mm-hmm. Oscar worthy. Yeah, I mean the whole like, th- but that specific part, like, I really want to lose three pounds. Oh my mm-hmm. god, what are you talking about? You're so skinny. Shut up. I mean, just a full. <laughs> A full vignette in that. A hundred percent. Also, we 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 talk about let me tell you something about Janice Ian. That whole monologue. I just like a, a comedic performance that people would die to give. Oh. I just feel like, and maybe if it's released today, because there's more awareness that this happens, like give the comedy movies are given the shaft when it comes to awards, maybe she would get something. But it's right. like it's like it's why I'm rooting for like Maria Bakalova this year. It's like yes, award yes. comedy tour de forces. Yes, you must. Yeah. Because Rachel McAdams like first of all queen. Second of all like you can't really picture anyone else doing it. No. And she and she wasn't a thing before that. And yeah, no. she came in and was like, no, I'm iconic forever. <sighs> Let me tell you something about Janice Ian. We were best friends in middle school. I know, right? It's so embarrassing. I don't even, whatever. So then in eighth grade, I started going out with my first boyfriend, Kyle. Who was, who was so hot, but then he moved to Indiana. To Indiana. <laughs> that, that is who was so, so hot, hot, but then he moved to, to Indiana. Indiana. And Janice was like weirdly jealous, jealous of, of me. 
Like if I would blow her off to hang out with Kyle, she'd be like, why didn't you call me back? And I'd be like, uh, why are you so obsessed? Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> so then for my birthday party, which is an all girls pool party, I was like, Janice, I can't invite you because I think, I think you're, you're a lesbian. lesbian. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, a, I couldn't invite her to my party. party. I mean, right? There was going to be girls there in their, their bathing, bathing suits. I mean, she was a lesbian. lesbian. So then her mom called my mom and started yelling at her. It was so <laughs> <laughs> it was so artwork and she dropped out of school because no one would talk to her and she came back in the fall for high school and her hair was all cut off and she and she was totally weird and, <laughs> and all of her hair was cut off and she off, was totally, was totally weird, weird, and weird and now yeah, I, guess I guess she's, she's, on, she's crack. on crack oh my god I love your skirt Where'd you, I mean that whole that genius whole thing is genius are we saying Tina Fey is a talented writer <laughs> oh my god <laughs> crazy I mean it's also like there is a deep understanding in this text of what it means to be this type of girl. Yes, I'm not saying yes. Tina Fey is this type of girl. I'm saying she researched whatever this book is based. It's the based Queen on a book, wannabes. Queen Bees and Wannabes. Yeah. I, maybe this is worth a read because there is such smart, deft understanding of what it is to, to like a, a deal with girl. this type of yeah. girl, to be this type of girl, to navigate this type of girl. The social dynamics in the movie are like really well researched. Yes. And you know, I've never felt so seen as when they did the three way call attack. That used to happen to me all the time. I was friends with these two girls, Allie and Rachel, who I've, I then had to say to them, ultimately, like, we can't be friends anymore. And it was a whole <laughs> thing. But they would routinely three-way call attack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I was just mm-hmm. like, what? It was, it was something where it was like, I didn't know it was so popular. And then when I saw it in that movie, I was like, okay, oh, I yeah. almost felt like, wow, that wasn't just something that I was the victim of. And then I feel like they stopped yeah. happening after the movie came out. In my life, they stopped happening because I would also get three-way calls from like, I think it was like Vicky Reese Jones and Jeanette Lannan and like, 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 like <laughs> Full those names. people. Full names. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, like I think they just, there was a drop off after the movie came out where people were like, oh, well, like our asses are on notice because Mean yeah. Girls came out right as we were going, going into high school. 2004. Yeah. Like eighth grade. Oh my yeah. God. I'm, oh, please. The worst. And I it also like, th- we always talk about like how it's sort of normalized a mode of behavior for that type of girl going forward yes. too. Like this is the dark side of it all is that it really showed some girls how to be mean. <laughs> like if they needed any help, like there was Rachel McAdams that, sort of expertly modeled that behavior. I had a friend, I will not say her name because she'll be mad, but (laughs) I saw her start to act like this girl. (gasps) Like in the way she was speaking, in the way she'd look at people, I was like, oh, you are, for better or worse, influenced by this movie. Because not everyone is going to be able to see irony in it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like That's the dark side of it. Because even now there's like, there's like fun little like Gen Z, like, there's a fun little Gen Z pocket where like the bullies in school now are like kids who are like, you haven't read enough Marxist theory to be in our friend group, but it's like, it's still from the same. It's like a different kind of like mean person. It's a different kind of bully who's Mm -hmm. like intellectual and is like, whatever, like, Oh, you don't respect people's pronouns enough. So we can't talk to you. It's like that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's still, it's still the same root, which is Regina George to me. 
Yeah, it's it's um, and I, it's just it's just so funny because she made it look cool. Like yeah. she is the iconic part of the movie. Like it's, it's not it's even just cool. So not even cool. She made it look fun, which fun, is different. Like she effective. made it look. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and we do stand. We do stand. Wait, Wait why don't I know you? Why don't I know you? Who are you? Wait, what? Shut up. Shut like, really up. Pretty. Pretty. So you so agree. I mean, every, everything. You think like, you're really pretty. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know. I feel like it's aged in a way that, I mean, there's some things about the movie that are like, oh, that's rough. But um, yes. <laughs> which which is every movie from that time. But I mm-hmm. feel like the fact that it's still like in like the mimetic language of like, oh, like you show someone a picture of like Regina George crossing her arms and saying, so you agree, you blank, like whatever, like whenever that's like a reaction to something like that, like it feels like you can't remove it. It's not going to like wean off anytime soon that this is still like a reference that people immediately understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Part of the culture even. Yes. Well, that's what I mean to say, but it's like, not 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 even like Heather's did that. Not even like I, I I'm gonna say not even Clueless did that. For Gen X, I think it did. But but it never was going to. I think that it's gonna feel more culty to us, obviously, because of our age, and also because probably at the time, like you literally had to go see the movie in order to understand and have it circulate the sort of like. Mm-hmm. in order to for that generation to sort of meme something like yeah. there would have to be an active seeking out of it and I think it probably made it more exciting and, and, and or just as exciting in a different way but I understand what you're saying where it's like it feels like because our generation would then be the generation of um, you know memeing things and memes right. becoming comedy it feel like it hit at exactly the right time because it's nostalgia. It's actually good. And it's, and it's hitting with our particular generation, which is like, you know, for better or worse, addicted to meme culture. But I even think, I don't know. I think, I think it like, in some ways it missed the cutoff and yet it still survived. It's still circulating despite that. It's still like, mm-hmm. I think some Gen Z people would, would see a mean girls meme and be like, I understand what that's from. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. not like cringe or whatever, you know? So it's like that, that's, that's the thing that is unique to mean girls that I don't think happened with clueless or with Heather's or with like other like movies from that neighborhood. I wonder when Mean Girls will feel stylistically period slash dated. You know what maybe, I mean? Like you look maybe back in like at, literally six months. Who knows? Truly. Yeah. I mean, and I think actually if we watched it again now, and this is actually funny because Joel was over the other night and they were playing Mean Girls before Drag Race. Drag Race. And it was the end of the movie and like they show like the young plastics and like the skirts they're wearing. It's so 2004. And also just oh, all the yeah. choice of music, obviously like when Milkshake is playing, when the little girl is dancing, like that's so funny. But just like, it is starting to get to that point where you're like, you watch it and you're like, oh my God, this movie is so 2004 to the mm-hmm. point where like, so there's like the way that Rachel McAdams is dressed as Regina George, the whole movie. And then when she's nice at the end, spoiler alert, and she's, and, everyone's player, sort of, yeah. and she's like a lacrosse player. There's a point where she is walking uh, in front of Katie and then they wave to each other. 
and there, there's like a sign of respect, like that they've moved on. Mm-hmm. And the way that she's dressed, you could tell at the time they were like, you know, she should be dressed sort of like more neutral in this scene. Yes. And like, she's not wearing quote unquote cool clothes. And I turned to Joel and I was like, she looks way more chic there than she is in the oh, whole rest yeah, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, and yeah. then I realized like <laughs> they were just trying to put her in like shitty, boring clothes. Like at the end of the movie so, to show that she was no longer like this queen bitch of the school. But it's just, it just kind of says like, the way, like the kind of fashion now, like what's in vogue right now, I think is just more neutral. Yes, so, yes. so it's kind of, in a way, <laughs> it's just, it just kind of said like, that's the way that fashion has progressed. Like it's a little bit less pastelish, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, than it was then. Mm-hmm. What was, what, how would you categorize the style of that time? It was like, talking about mid aughts. Mid aughts. It was like, I'm, I'm just going to name retailers. Like, yeah. It was Hollister, like Abercrombie, and American like, Eagle. American Eagle. It was like that. It was like graphic tees, mm-hmm. bright colors. I mean, remember, remember that. Remember how like flip flops were like a moment. Uh, do you used to wear jeans and flip flops? I you could all find me time. in jeans and flip flops at all times. Even freshman year of college, like walking, oh girl, walking down Fourteenth Street in jeans and flip flops, thinking in a V neck and thinking I look so good. Literally. I look like I just I look like I just walked out of the Gap, aspirational at the time, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. truly wild. Well, I tell I've told you the story of um, when I had my first, like my RA sat us down on the floor. Of of uh, like so we had kind of like a fr- the very first floor meeting of freshman year and we all had to go around and like say our name and like what we were trying to major in or whatever mm-hmm, and where we were from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got up and was doing like my like mask drag thing. I had like my spiky hair. I had my American Eagle polo jeans and flip flops. Probably everyone laughed at me, and it was just Why? like and it was well because I was dressed that way and it was NYU. So everyone there was like. For some reason, I ended up on a floor where everyone was oh, just like God. had their style figured out, I guess, or like could I could, know? I remember people from that floor from freshman year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was so taken aback because at the time, like the way I was dressed was the cool way to be dressed. Now looking back, it's like, oh, that was the cool way to be dressed on Long Island yeah. from where I was from. Yeah. And then I guess everyone else on that floor like had themselves figured out a little bit more or got the memo, I guess, six months earlier that you needed to stop dressing like this, like in New York in college. Like I was looking very high school and maybe a lot of it had but to do with not the fact that, that I was obviously gay, dropping my voice, like being sure. mad. But they it was laughed? they laughed at me it, and I was just like, whoa, like. And that's when I realized I would have to reestablish an identity again. And that, then the the tug of war inside me that was like, do I just come out now or like try to establish myself as a straight guy again, which I know is so mm-hmm. hard. And, but it's not even like the the cool New York way to dress in 2008 as an 18 or 19 year old was even that much more sophisticated than what Long Island cool was, which is to like the difference is. American Eagle, Hollister, but then like if you're you're much cooler if you actually went to Forever 21 and Diesel and like ew. And even now that's like laughable. It's like it never, I don't know. Yeah. No one, no one's like, unless you're just dressing in like all black everything, you're mm-hmm. you're always going to be like ridiculed in retrospect for what you wore. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I think, I think also like the awareness of that being true 
caused me to dress boring. Uh-huh. And I look back and I'm like, the, I used to wear just like a lot of black or just like whatever color I knew worked for me, like a lot of blue. Mm-hmm. Um, like the amount of blue shit I, I'm wearing blue right now. Like, mm-hmm. and also my whole like aesthetic in this apartment you are is blue. blue, 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 blue. I do blue a lot. Blue group. And I think it's just because of fear. Like, I, like, 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 um, when I developed in terms of how I dressed myself, and we've actually had this conversation, I believe, with Max Witter on his episode. We talked a lot about like style. Yeah. And how, um, how that, you know, is, is influenced by the culture around you and how you want to be perceived, obviously. But Mm -hmm. it's so funny because I look back on like my late teens and early twenties and I did dress in a lot of like basics and a lot of like, you know, inoffensive colors and patterns. And now that I guess I care a little bit less or know myself a little bit more, I do dress in more colors. And it's so funny mm-hmm. because I just got a new car after my accident and it is bright red. <laughs> and Joel saw it and he was like, this is ostentatious. He's like, this is <gasps> not you. And I was like, well, you don't know me at all then. Hmm. Girl, Han said, is that also a moving from New York to LA thing? Interesting. I don't, Maybe think so. I think I honestly think it has more to do with just with me being like, no, I'm actually comfortable expressing myself the way I want to. Yeah. You have a very cool sense of style, though. You always know the cool things. I that's not necessarily true. I know what works for me and it it's not even too far elevated above like basics and like. Mm-hmm. God, I mean, there was a time, there really was a time when like it was cool, at least in my like, in my understanding, to my understanding, it was cool to wear American apparel, everything like that was like a look. Yeah. In our early 20s, it was. It was. And now, now it's like a little bit, but now you're kind of going back to that. There's like entire world and there's LA apparel. There's like already like a hearkening back to that, which is Mm-hmm. is interesting uh now i'm just like oh i i'm reading a lot of like japanese fashion magazines where like the style is called like city boy and it's just like you wear a baggy hoodie and like a flannel over it and like sweatpants and that's the look and like but that even even that's gonna like i know we're we're, we're saying such obvious things about like how style changes over time but even but i which is but i, I just want to say that like i don't think i will ever be ahead of the curve in any way i don't think that's like part of like my ethos i'm happy to just like clock the trends as they happen and be like let me try it on and then that's it i here's what i'll say here's my assessment of you okay, i don't girl. think you are ahead of the curve i think however you are always right on the pulse. Like you always know, like if I ever mention a designer, I can kind of tell from the way that you react, whether or not it's cool or not. Say a designer now. Like, for example, when I said, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to say this. When I said Tom Brown, Uh you were like, "Mm, yeah, maybe last year. I did not say that. I did not say that. Tom Brown is great. Bowen, 
You did not say Tom Brown was I great. I did not say that Tom Brown was last you're year scared or make that, that face. You're scared now that Tom Brown isn't going to want to dress you down. No, Tom Brown will never dress me down. It's it's That's not what it is. And if I take a shit next to the bathroom, next to Tom Brown in the bathroom, it'll be like, oh, hi. I don't know. Your, your response to when I was shopping and I was, I, I think I sent you a picture. I or was like, not- I was like, I, I, I mentioned Tom Brown and you were like, no. I did not do that. You are lying, Gaslighter. Big timer. Bowen, I, how would I make this up? Oh, my God. No. Boy, you know exactly what you did on my boat. Gaslighter. <laughs> you were gaslighting me. Here's what I want to ask you, because you're talking yes. a lot about sweats and things. What is, your, what is your relationship to what I believe is the clothing movement of the moment and the past couple of years, which is athleisure? What is your relationship to athleisure? I I don't have too much of it. I have my sweat. I have two sweatpants that I love that I will wear outside of the house maybe once a week. Mm. And that's about it. That's it. I'm becoming more comfortable with it. I never was that kind of person because I just, but, but I'm telling you once I brought, once I bought my Brooks Marks tracksuit, you are wearing the Brooks Marks tracksuit. It is so comfy Always. and it's holding up. The only thing about Great. it is I'm not entirely sure how you how you go about washing it because there's that lining that I think is going to become yeah. problematic in washing it. But I love it so much. By the way. By the way. This second part of the reunion. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We haven't talked about Salt Lake. Fireworks. Lisa. What can you give a take? What is your take? What is your temperature? It's been a while since I, it's been a few, it's been, it's been like almost a week. It's been five days, right? Mm-hmm. Since it aired. Mary is a truly despicable. Oh, we have to do this. We rescind the second day of culture. Miriam Cosby hits the world stage. We rescind it. I mean, she certainly hit the world stage. We can't deny that it happened, but we sort of propped her up as the icon of housewives. And I don't know it's if I no can stand true. by this abject colorism. Ooh. It was bad. It was bad. When was she bad. couldn't stop flapping her trap, when she unprompted offered that she prefers light-skinned men, she sort of just couldn't stop her mouth and basically said she prefers light-skinned men. And no one had asked that. No one had asked that. And then she ended it with, you know, all black people are beautiful. All black people are beautiful. And I'm so <laughs> like, proud of me. It's like, Mary, you got us. That's the thing is she had an out. Like, because they were talking about when she allegedly said, because Jen accused Mary of saying she doesn't like to go to convenience stores like 7-Eleven because shady black guys hang out in front of them. And she doesn't like going there because of that. And she said it had nothing to do with race. And Meredith said, I left the conversation thinking she doesn't like to go to convenience stores because of shady people hanging out in front of them. It didn't have to do with race. I didn't think she made it yeah, about Meredith race. Meredith really gave her uh, an exit strategy. And it was, there it was. And yeah. then literally, she literally goes, <laughs> but I do prefer light-skinned men. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only laughing because it's so shocking I and so awful. couldn't believe it. And then when he was like, are you in love with your husband? I, th- I, uh, I, th- I think I am. But when she goes on about her marriage, that was also, and then she eventually starts to break down and cry and everyone's like, oh, Mary, it's okay. I did not follow the thread there because she was like, 
Um, I'm not in love because she basically started out saying I'm not in love with my husband. It's not. She working. said it's impossible to stay happy. Yes. for that long. It's impossible to stay happy for that long. But then she like goes on about she kind of like bounces around all all over the place, and then she goes. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. But it's like, wait, what are you? Then what is it? Are you unhappy? Or are you happy? Is it impossible to be happy in that marriage? In a marriage for that long? Or she needs to be on someone's couch is what needs to happen. She, she my, okay. <sighs> so I, I watched this girl, the Brooke Ashley, who does my favorite re- recaps, and she has a line that I will say here. I must credit okay. her. She says she is crazier than a soup sandwich, <laughs> and she is crazier than a soup sandwich. She needs to be sitting down on a couch figuring out what is really going on yes, because yes. I don't believe she's in love with her husband. I believe she because then she revealed that it was not in her grandmother's will that she marries him. Which if I I love that we all were just kind of saying that without unpacking that, which is even if it was in her will that it was her wish that her grand her husband marry her granddaughter, you can't force anyone to do that. Like just because someone puts it in their will does not mean that that must happen. Like you can't no. be forced to marry someone because a family member of yours put that in her will. Like it can she can say that this is her wish, but you can't force anyone to do that. So Mary had to have um autonomy in doing this. Mm-hmm. And it seems like from what she said about how Basically, the marriage is worth it because she gets Chanel bought for her. That a lot of <sighs> this is about money. A lot of it's about money. It's like it almost dips into like 90 Day Fiance territory for me, where like some of these marriages are purely motivated by money mm-hmm. or by like acquiring things. And I'm just like, this is just people are people are people like money like really breaks people and it's and it's and it's just it's just sad and then it did line up with that video that had that audio that had leaked of her yelling at her church uh-huh, because they uh-huh. weren't giving her enough money like right. i was like this is someone whose number one priority is things and her bedroom is a fucking nightmare i mean she's it's always racks in her closet and racks of clothes yeah she, oh. she, it's 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 wild and so i think like my takeaway from the whole thing is oh, this is someone who's not willing to be honest about the fact that she's motivated by grief <laughs> and that her aunt lives in a smaller house than her and she comes to clean up the house even though her aunt is like m- more is like technically closer to, would be closer to inheriting the mega church or whatever. I just, this is a mess. There's this. There's such a darkness to Salt Lake City, even though, even though I think it was a fantastic first season. There was a great New Yorker piece about what make what made the, this first season so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, a lot of the religious stuff is so 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 hard. Well, I think that's what makes it really interesting, and I think it's actually really interesting when you look at it through the lens of Heather too, because I want to talk about oh, Heather yeah. for a second. Let's talk about Heather. Heather, the way that she was expertly dragging Lisa and like reading down everyone, I was like, Uh I had to be like, I don't think that you are this innocent woman that you have been pretending to be. I don't think so. I think that her and Whitney a little bit have been putting on this whole we're oppressed by our community and society and religion narrative and boohoo, Jen would rather be friends with Meredith and Lisa than us. I think they have 
perpetuated a little bit of a victim narrative for themselves that didn't check out with me on this reunion because all of a sudden they felt powerful because they saw the show and they realized that they were edited they were really the well most liked. favorably and they yeah. were most liked by the viewers and they came in really feeling their oats in this mm-hmm. reunion mm-hmm. to the point where I feel that especially Heather were, was being cruel to Lisa. And I, I'm not like, I don't think that Lisa is not a snob, mm-hmm. but I don't think that she deserves the dragging that Heather was giving her and that I think Heather takes glee in when it comes from the viewers as well, because I understood where she was coming from. And when they took that lunch break and they thought the cameras went down, all I'm saying is, I know Heather was kind of a, yeah, was, was, Heather was, was, she, she turned to Lisa and said, you're in last place. And Lisa (laughs) said, what does that mean? And she was like, she was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And Lisa was like, what does that mean? And she's like, and you've been a bad friend to Meredith. And Lisa said, why do you have to attack my one friend on the show? Why do you have to attack my ally? Like, why do you have to attack my friendship? Like, you won't be happy until everyone hates me. And honestly, I think she's right. I think Heather is out to destroy Lisa. And I don't think she needs to play it that hard. No, I really don't. Because that's not why we like Heather. Not why we like Heather. But even though Lisa, when they roll the clips back, Lisa was kind of a terror mm-hmm. to Heather and Whitney. Like that that ski that ski like meal that they had afterwards. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like Lisa, it's it's a very it's a very complicated dynamic. I don't have much to to add in terms of. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, do you believe that Lisa knew Heather before two thousand seventeen? When she says they met, do you believe Heather that they've known each other for 20 years? Or do you believe Lisa that maybe they were in the same abstract circle, but Lisa only really met Heather in 2017? That, whatever that, because, because they, they, didn't they show a screenshot of the text where they were like, yeah, so excited to meet you in person. So excited to meet you in person. Yeah. Yeah. So basically then Heather's lying. This all hinges on the big lie. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the fact that Heather said, Lisa doesn't see me. And I think this, and, and, and is lying about knowing me and they actually did not have the history that Heather had said, because I think that Heather, you know, in coming out of the church, she just wants to be seen and she wants to, she wants to demand, you know, respect because she, maybe she feels like she hasn't gotten it, which I understand. I just feel that if that's anger and emotion that she has, I think it might be a little misplaced towards Lisa. Like, because yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, th- I feel that it's probably true that Heather has felt disrespected and uh, undervalued throughout her whole mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And so she's really coming hard now in her power and demanding that people like let her take up space and understand that she is a formidable person. I just think she doesn't have to try to kill Lisa socially because right, of it. Right, right. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. 
Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, it's Bowen, and I want to introduce you to the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell. Yes, it's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients, great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself the slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. With new menu options like Cantina Chicken Tacos, burritos, and quesadillas, there's something for everyone. And Taco Bell isn't just for a late night. With this new Cantina Chicken Menu, you, the possibilities are, well, endless. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. Now, I said. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I watched um I, I don't watch Jersey, but I watched the premiere. Same. D- did you watch it? I yeah, mean, I, I have the same thing. I don't watch Jersey, but I watched the premiere. Well, Heidi Heidi Gardner told me she was like, you have to watch Jersey. I was like, okay, but I haven't watched it in, in like truly like since like prostitution horror. Like, will it be good? And she was like, no, I'm mean, I'm same. I haven't watched it in like almost a decade, but you should watch it. And I was like, great. And then um the ending, the, the fight between Jackie and Teresa, I was like, yeah. wow. It was, there was kind of a similar thing where Jackie's like, <laughs> I have the life that you want. Mm-hmm. I win. And I was like, holy shit. And then Teresa, of course, is like calling her the C word. And it's like, oh, this is all just so such yeah, a mess. She, she really <laughs> was using the C word, wasn't she? It was. I mean, the episode was called See You Next Tuesday. <laughs> and... But like, but just her, the, the, the beliefs of beep, beep, beep. But then just reading her lips, just kind of saying the C word was truly like, it was kind of jarring for me to, as a viewer to be like, oh my God, she's really calling her that. Well, Teresa is a jarring figure. Teresa, I, there, I, I haven't watched Jersey, but it feels like there is going to be a, 
huge blow between Joe Gorga and Teresa this season that will be very fascinating to see for, because for them to be siblings and have maybe a lot of stuff like buried, not buried, but just like they seem to be getting along. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the reason I haven't been ever been able to ever watch Jersey is because the reminder ev- it feels too real to me. I, I know people like this, like from Long Island. Like it's just, I heard you oh, somehow yeah. in the episode. I was like, this, these are people that Matt knows. Oh, big time, big time. <laughs> Like, and so it's always hard because for me, even if it's not, it's, and it's not explicit always, but there is like, there's a layer of homophobia that's running through the whole thing that I just feel uncomfortable with. Like, you know, like I can, even if they're not saying it, I can hear all these people saying the word faggot. (laughs) Well, I feel like in Ther- when Teresa was like spreading the rumor about um, what's his face, like cheating on Jackie at the gym, mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, is she is she implying that it's dudes because it's at the gym and it's like steam room action or what? Because I'm just like, there's 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 something missing here that they're either editing out or Teresa is like too afraid to say as the cameras are rolling. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, oh yeah, like what is this weird hidden frequency? And then. Um, just, just thought it was just so dark and deeply funny, but also like that this is many people in this country and around the world where she was like, I didn't spread a rumor. I heard, heard a, rumor. a rumor. Oh, please. We were <laughs> laughing. Oh my God. We were laughing so hard at that because it so doesn't make any sense. And I guess like that is what makes a good housewife, like a true agent of chaos. Yes. Like yes. where, but that doesn't make sense. And no, like, yeah. so it's just so funny because what ends up being the conflicts it's like there's something that happens then people react to it and Mm -hmm. based on the abstract way people react that's what then causes the conflict so like what won't end up being the conflict is this thing of was there cheating happening i think it'll be the line i have the life that you want you know what yes, I mean? It's yes. that's, that's I win. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's what I like about housewives. It's like, it's like, <laughs> like the other night, like someone said to me, like, um, I had a Bloody Mary that was the best I ever had. And I said, well, what? It's better than the one that I made for you on vacation. And he was, and, and my friend was like, my friend was like, well, it wasn't restaurant quality. So then I said, if this was Housewives, a whole season would be <laughs> me being pissed that you said my Bloody Marys were not restaurant quality. Yes, and yes, it's that yes. specificity and that stupid conflict that I love. And so you need someone like Teresa to come in and have like the only she would say, I didn't spread a rumor. I heard, I heard a, rumor. a rumor. Yeah. For yeah. that to spin off in this like insane direction about whether spreading a rumor is the same as heard, heard, hearing a rumor, which is nothing. But uh-huh. I love watching a full unfurling of a conflict based on that stupidity. Well, this is this is maybe why like Miriam Cosby is bumping me because like it's it's gone too far. Like, because at first we all fucking went crazy over her. We loved her because it was like, I, you smell like hospital. You smell like hospital is the is exactly the what we're talking about. Yeah, it spins out into this whole conflict. But but Mary, it's like, oh, you're you're not making sense ninety five percent of the time at this point, mm-hmm. and it's actually really dark the ways you don't make sense and the ways that you contradict yourself and the ways that you will 
I don't know, tell on yourself in these, in these situations where you mm-hmm. say, I prefer light skin guys unprompted that it's like, this is actually not fun anymore. And the whole Pentecostal thing is like, really for me, I'm speaking for myself. Mm. Pentecost- just, just being Pentecostal is, is kind of really, really scary to me because it is this thing where like, it is linking emotional experiences or it's saying that emotional experiences are religious experiences no matter what, which is so dangerous mm-hmm. that anytime you feel any emotion strongly, that that is God, that that is like real, that that is like not something that is independent of right. an institution is like really, really, really terrifying to me. Yeah. And, and <laughs> did you see when Andy was like, well, have there been rumors that your church is a cult? Mary just goes, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, you did a great Mary. It was that just was it was Mary. just so so oh of course. Absolutely there's been rumors that this church is a cult. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> it's so oh, and then and then isn't it Lisa who's just like I mean there are rumors that Mormon that Mormonism is a cult. There's but like, it's not a cult. It's not a cult. It's not a cult. We have to shout out Vanessa Bayer for doing oh great. Oh my <laughs> god. Vanessa's impression of Lisa on Watch What Happens Live. And Whitney. Oh, and Whitney, but it was the Lisa that was that was Oh, killing me. It was so good. <laughs> Here's a question for you. And I've really thought about this. So if you if you and I are in mm-hmm. a situation where we're sitting at a reunion type thing and everyone's going in on you. Uh-huh. Say you're Lisa and, and you're I'm Meredith. Meredith you're the, I, I'm your best friend. And I'm sitting there like the way Meredith was. Meredith was not coming about for Lisa. No. Would you be upset with me? I would be like, you're not, I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I wouldn't be upset with, I, I would be, it would be an off camera thing where I'd be like, you're really passive right now when yeah. people are truly tearing me to shreds. I would be mad. I, I would be really mad because I know for a fact that if everyone was ganging up on you, I would be like, no. And, yes. and, and, and I, that makes me feel like maybe... Lisa has a different view of their friendship than Meredith does, or Meredith just truly ain't engaging. <laughs> I think there is a darkness to Meredith as well. Mm. I think Meredith is darker than Lisa, TBH. Not as dark as Heather at this point, because Heather is really trying to like manipulate in ways that are mm-hmm. alarming. But Lisa is like, there's something, no, sorry, I'm sorry. Meredith is like, there's something about Meredith that's like Beyonce watching Jay-Z and Solange fight in the elevator and just mm-hmm. standing there. Well, yeah. I mean, she did say on an episode that she has a history of um, observing violence and that it it really has caused her to disengage and mm-hmm. that that's what works for her. So I bet, I bet she's been through, I wouldn't be surprised if she's been through like some sort of like therapy Traumatic that has told out. her like, you never have to engage in anything that is bad for you and mm-hmm. that she is just going to sit on the sidelines about this. But the fact of the matter is like this show might not be for her then because yeah. that's going to, I think it's funny now 
Like the fact that she is the housewife that disengages, I think is funny. It's funny now, but she can't be too sleepy for the whole thing, you know? Right. And her not, and and it's so funny because <laughs> she really just had one moment in this episode and it was, let me make something extremely clear. My husband is off limits. And if anyone talks about it, you're not my friend. And that's that. And she like yeah. really laid the hammer down and it was her one moment in but the otherwise, episode. Yeah, nothing. Other than that, nothing. And for Lisa to be like, so the center of conflict and Meredith to not chime in really at all. I know. I would have been pissed. And Meredith's only kind of, the only takeaway for Meredith this season is the only memory is I'm disengaging. I'm I'm done engaging in conversation. I'm no longer engaging. If you guys want to engage in the conversation, (laughs) you can engage in the conversation. (laughs) Soft. Me and Soth. You have to read this New Yorker piece about it starts off saying how Brooks Marks is like I did read it. I thought it was great. I, I thought that was a really good observation. She was like, the audience turns on Brooks. I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but I kind of was like, oh yeah, that was when I kind of wasn't as enamored with Brooks Marks as a reality character, reality show character mm-hmm. was when Brooks was like, Jen was like showing her vagina all over the place. I was like, oh, but you hmm, like this is a little too. This is this is this is re- re- reverting to like a different trope in reality television that is no longer relevant because you were like a very good student of the form mm-hmm. up until that point. And here's my take on that because they talked about this in this episode of the reunion too. Meredith was like, it was inappropriate the way she was behaving. Her vagina was out. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't think it was clear enough in that episode that it was such a thing that Jen's vagina was out. Yeah. I don't think it was clear enough that like she was actually being inappropriate in front of the kids. Like I, oh, okay. I, I think if, if it had been made a little bit, and I think this might've been the producers and the editors maybe like wanting to steer away from a, a narrative of um, a, a woman's like vagina was exposed because that mm-hmm. has been a thing on housewives. And I feel like they feel uh, like it invades their privacy. And I, I really don't need a narrative of like whose pussy was out. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. like it. Like they did it with Erica Jane a couple years ago on Beverly Hills. And you could tell that it like really bothered her that it was a topic of conversation. But yeah, of course. I, I, and I think that that because that's true, that they've kind of learned from this and the editors didn't want to make it as much of a thing. But I think ultimately, like the issue was it was a thing. Mm-hmm. And Brooks was responding to it. And so that's, I think it seemed like Brooks was making this issue in mm-hmm. order to like stir the pot when in reality he was reacting to the fact that it happened, which right. Meredith confirmed on the reunion. She was like, yeah, it was a lot. Uh huh. Uh huh. Meredith, I, I, maybe I am a Meredith. I keep you buying what are. you run away. I can't tell you enough. <laughs> you really are. Yeah. And it was so funny to me. Everyone, oh my God, readers, it was so funny because Bowen goes, I'm a Jen. And I was like, (laughs) you have way too much respect for silverware, glassware to ever throw it at a party. I wasn't proudly saying I'm a Jen. I said, I might be a Jen, unfortunately. You are the least Jen. Explain to me how you're a Jen. That I, when I get angry, I get angry. That's not even true. (laughs) That's not even true. I'm exploring anger in therapy right now. It's very, very interesting. That's so interesting. What a window in. Is this therapy? Mm, this is therapy. Okay. I think it's time. Yeah. I was going to say, it feels time um, to do I Don't Think So Honey, uh, which is, I forget. 
It's um, our one minute segment in which we go off on something in culture. Right. I saw, I don't think so, honey, written down and I was like, what is that? What is that? Okay. So I have something. You have something? Okay. This is Matt yeah. Rogers. I don't think so, honey. His time starts now. I don't think so, honey. Monica Rambo erasure. <gasps> okay. Because the only <laughs> thing that people are talking about <laughs> on Twitter is Agatha all along, which I understand. But also, you know what else is happening all along? We're getting the origin story of Photon, honey, or Spectrum. It is unclear. But all I'm saying is Mm. we got this black woman who gets this unbelievable scene where she gets her powers in the sort of hex thing. And it was Mm -hmm. an unbelievable scene. It was an artful scene. I found it to be emotional. And I thought (gasps) it was well performed. And I thought Tiana Paris came to life like when she got her powers and all I'm saying is this is the origin story of one of the probably most important characters in the MCU going forward and you go on seconds. Twitter and it was Agatha all along and it was Catherine Hahn and all I'm saying is examine it because we are getting the origin story of the most important Five black seconds. female superhero and all over you were like oh, Agatha, Agatha, Agatha no, Monica and that's one minute, no, Monica and I, you it know, we stand. We stand, Catherine Hahn, and we stand, Agatha, all along. Yes. We stand the reveal. But all I'm saying is, there was another thing that happened in the episode that was iconic, and it was not being talked about. And it was that Monica Rambeau finally got her powers. And if you follow the comics, you understand that this is a big, 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 big deal because she goes on to like lead the Avengers in the comics. She can, she can see electromagnetisma. She can she can look at the waves and she go, can sort of see the way. Well, it's unclear what her powers are. You know that she's like got blue eyes. <laughs> but, hmm. but I was like, I, I was like, what is it? And then I was reading about it. Apparently, in the comics, she can turn herself into energy. Yes, yes, yes. Which I don't know how that works, but excited to find out. Me too. Me too, girl. <laughs> All right, and this is this feels like Bowen's ready. Oh, mm-hmm. I just got an email from the Taylor Swift official store. <gasps> what did you order? My Evermore hoodie is coming. Oh my god, we are getting a lot of mess. I think we might need to do an Evermore episode soon. Everyone is still on this Evermore thing where they're like, we need. Like someone at work was like, my friend was listening. My friend told me that you guys still need to do an Evermore episode. I go, well, you say it. Just because you say we need to do it does not mean we're going to do it. Okay. And this goes, this goes for guests as well. Okay. Thank you for your ideas. <laughs> we are not customer service. Some people are really banging the drum about ha- us having certain people on. And it's like, no, you're I right. I don't think it, so. Honey. It actually, most of the time I'm like, don't, don't. Let don't us provide us. for you. How about this? Next week we yeah. have Rose Damu on. Okay, girl? Rose Damu. We're so that's so excited. Talk episode. about talk about a Wandavision and Taylor Stan. Maybe you'll get. Maybe you'll get some. You, you, we will be talking about Evermore with with. We'll Rose. talk. We'll talk about Evermore with Rose. But Rose truly like always. I think she is a north star in in the culture. I think whatever Rose thinks goes. Taste. And maybe that's she is taste. You'll find out. You'll you'll find out. And uh, we recommend everyone uh, look up her um, interviews with Timmy Chalamet. She brings up she she asks him if he likes Moonstruck, and he says, "I love Moonstruck." She has great interviews with Salma Hayek, with Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph. She she's she has had some great 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 interviews with with some some folks. And we're gonna talk with her about that next week. Next week. Um, but before we get to next week, uh-huh, uh-huh, Bowen uh-huh. Yang has his "I don't think so, honey." Do you have something prepared? I have something prepared. Love to hear it. This is Bowen Yang's I don't think so, honey. And his time starts now. 
I don't think so, honey. Crime scene, the vanishing of the CISO hotel, that CISO hotel documentary. It is pure drivel trash, the way that it barely spends any time actually focusing on the death of Elisa Lamb. So upsetting, so unfortunate. And yet the documentary spends so much time on like the conspiracy, on like on like the voyeurism of true crime and how it sort of has ballooned out of control 30. and and like how it has it, how it tainted the whole investigation of Elisa Lim so that it sort of removes all the humanity from like this poor person who unfortunately passed away on the property like it goes into this 15 terrible seconds. shallow analysis of like what Skid Row is and what it meant for like what it could have possibly meant for the death that she might have gotten drugs from Skid Row. It's it was truly such five seconds like pulpy bullshit, and it was so like dehumanizing. It was so disappointing, and I think like we're hitting some like critical mass with true crime stuff. Okay, that's one minute. That's one minute. So basically, you're saying that it was the, true crime the, about true crime. It was true crime where there was a layer where it was just so you would have it, it was very watchable. I'll say, but so much of it was like the sensationalism of. It was just sensationalizing the death itself by being like, and here are all the crazy things that have happened at the CISA Hotel, all these serial killers and suicides and all this stuff. And Skid Row is a thing. And she, this girl might have gotten drugs from Skid Row and then had a, um, like a bipolar episode. It was just like, there is a way to present this story without going into, and then it talked, and then like, there's some valuable stuff about, yes, the voyeuristic aspect of true crime where like of all of these web sleuths were trying to solve the case as the investigation was happening, as the autopsy report was being put together. But then like it ruins this one person's life. But like, I don't think we needed to see that. And it it's all like, I don't know if any of it's useful. And I think we're hitting, we're hitting a, pl- it's like, we're, we're reverting back to like dateline like, Maybe it's always been this way and I've just checked out, but like it feels like a really weird anachronistic era of like covering grisly deaths like this. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, wait a minute, let's actually just like yeah, try to present the facts and not have it be embellished in like all this other nonsense. Yeah. I think that anytime they figure out something is working, like uh, you're going to get an, a, a mass amount of it. And with true crime, that's actually kind of interesting and maybe harmful because it is removing the humanity once it's just like, oh, this thing works commercially. And now here's all of it. <laughs> but I, I think it's, I think because it, it, it got a, it got a lot of bad reviews and people are like, this was so poorly handled that I think now, hopefully we're at a point where people are like the people who make these shows are like, this is not working anymore. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, anyway, I was talking about with Greta and she was like, it's so bad. And I was like, yeah, it's just like true trash. Did you watch, I care a lot yet? No, I hear it's, I hear Rosamund. Everyone's hating it. Well, but people say, but people say Rosamund is good. that, that, That she's good. But like that, what it's about is like, I don't know, but maybe we'll watch it and we'll talk about it next week. Cause I'm sure Rose has watched it. Sure. I mean, I'll, I mean, I think we've like also turned a corner with Netflix where a lot of the program on Netflix is because there used to be a time when you would watch when a show would be in the conversation that was on Netflix and you would go into it being like, well, it must be good. And now mm-hmm. I don't think that's true anymore. I think no. now every, people are watching Netflix shows because they are in the conversation, but it's not, you, there's no 
in, there's no assumption going in that it's going to be quality. Oh yeah, like, I mean now, now it's just, it's it's well, it's literally how they it's how they do it now. It's just we're going to push this thing to the front and everyone's going to watch it, and that's their way of sort of controlling what gets consumed. But it's like the Emily in Paris of it all. It's like, yeah, Emily yeah. in Paris is not good, but everyone watched it. Oh fucking! I don't think Sony the HFPA because there's this whole thing that came out about oh, yeah, how like that. the Emily in Paris people like basically bribed them oh well this God. has been happening since the beginning of time like like but the hfpa is a joke because it's an easy target because it's such a small body exactly and they yeah. they can and have been bought forever yes. like so yes. it's just kind of funny to see everyone like coming around to this now like whenever the golden globe nominations come out and people are like this snub ah. i'm like you guys that just means that they didn't play the game like it's fine like it's so cool to be snubbed by the hfba <laughs> like it just means it, you didn't, it means cool. you're not like literally going for it like in terms yeah. of like buying these awards like they don't matter like they're there's a reason why they're not in the egot you know what i mean they're they're yeah. not an actual reputable awards body i always feel like if someone i like wins a golden globe i'm like yay and if someone doesn't it's it's Fine, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like the Oscars really. or the Emmys, which are actual reputable awards bodies with a large voting base. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, Whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what anyway, an app? What an app. Um, truly freewheeling. We kind of there were uh, there was many a winding turn, wouldn't you say, Matt? I would say that every day is a winding road. Is a winding road. And with that, every day is a winding road. Get a little bit closer. Every day is a winding road. Get a little bit closer. <laughs> to hear that song, listen to the end credits of the movie. Say it. I don't know. Aaron Brockovich, bitch. Aaron Brockovich. Oh my God. How Do your homework that? next time. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. 
she's breathing. Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.